Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime. Today, I will be interviewing Alexis Glaze. Alexis has a passion for writing and storytelling since she was in fourth grade. With multiple writing awards throughout her educational career, it has always been her goal to use her gift to teach practical life lessons to young children through literature. She currently serves as a children's pastor at Reach Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. On April 2nd, 2019, Alexis released her new children's book, Coning the Lion. Coning lives in the desert with his dad, the King Lion. Through, though, though one day Coning will rule the desert, right now he is frequently bored. Coning loves to sneak away and explore, and one night he finds himself in part of the desert he does not know. He learns the ways of different groups of animals, but in the end he misses his dad. Conan teaches young readers that while it's fun to explore and important to learn about new things, there's no place like home. So thank you so much for being here, Alexis. I'm excited to ask you some questions about your book. And I really liked it because I think it has a really nice value to it because, you know, like every child wants to go out and explore. But I think, you know, like anything, once you go out and exploring, it's, there's like nothing like being home. So. Right. It's really just, it's a really great book. And so I want to just start off asking you, what was the process in writing Coning the Lion and getting it published? Yeah, so actually, I would say the process of writing was much simpler for me than the process of actually publishing it. Um, this story is kind of just one of those things that really just smoothly came to me. Um, in a pretty ordered and structured way. So I had the general idea for the lesson or the value behind the story of Toning the Lion and what I wanted to portray. And so really, I just sat down um, and it really came out really smoothly. And that pretty much was only a probably a couple day process of getting my thoughts and my vision and my ideas down actually on the paper. Um, and I actually think if I'm remembering correctly, I, I finished the actual story three years ago. Um, and then this past year, we found out that we were going to have a baby. And I thought, how cool would it be to be able to have that story in a hard copy for him to be able to have and for him to be able to read someday and think, wow, this story is one of the stories my mom tells me. And it's actually here in my hands. So as I was going about publishing it, I was trying to find a publisher who would let me maintain the heart behind the story and really the language of the story and not ask to change it so much to where it was unrecognizable that it was my voice. But at the same time, I'm not in the publishing world. So I had to find somebody who was able to go about that. And so I did a lot of research and ended up finding mascot books who published my story. And it was a really good relationship between them knowing the 
their field and them being experts in publishing, but still allowing me to be the author and the voice behind the story. Um, and so I just decided that that's who I was going to go with for this book. And and I worked with a team to do some editing and I got to pick my illustrator, which was really great because, you know, as the author, you have this idea in your head of what these characters look like and what the settings look like. And you're just hoping that you can find somebody that can clearly understand what you're trying to tell them that you're seeing in your head without them ever being able to see it. So um, that, that was actually a really cool part of the process as well, to have somebody who really could understand what I was trying to convey to him and being able to paint these characters in the story in a way that was the honest picture that I had in my mind. So um, that's just kind of a gist of how it was from start to finish by fro. So from the time I started writing it till the time it was published was probably about three and a half or four years, which is crazy when I think about it, because for me, it feels like it happened pretty quickly, but it was actually a little bit of a drawn out process. Yeah, it does take time because I actually went through mascot two for two of my books. And so I wrote two children's books that I got published with mascot and uh -huh. I really like mascot. I mean, it's, and the process, it does take a long time because some people think, well, it's a children's book. Like it shouldn't take that long, right. but it does take a long time. I think to maybe not even write the story, but to find the right illustrator and to kind of get that right match of who you're looking for and right. how those illustrations are going to bring the story to life. So right. it's, it's, that's great. That's, and I also see that you did a Kickstarter as well. Yes. Yeah. So, um, obviously, like I said, with a new baby on the way, um, this wasn't necessarily a project that was the right timing to just throw a lot of resource into, but I knew I had a lot of people who had kind of seen my journey of writing. I also do a lot of speaking and these are just people that really have always just been champions and supporters of my gift, which is just absolutely incredible. And I felt as though if I reached out to them and, and told them, Hey, these stories you've heard me tell um, or these things you've heard me talk about are about to become a reality, would you be a part of it? I knew that I would be able to probably get enough people on board to make it happen. And actually, it was the craziest thing. I think I think probably by the time my Kickstarter was about halfway over, I had the full funding that I needed for the book. So that was just a huge blessing to see people who hadn't even heard the story of Conan yet, but had heard other stories and other ideas in my mind that were willing to see this one come to life. And it was awesome to be able to send all of those people a copy of the book ahead of the release date that was signed with a little note in there, just thanking them and letting them know that they had a part in what they were holding in their hands as well. So that's, that's wonderful. And so what would you like children to learn from reading your book? I would say that there are a lot of underlying lessons in my book. Um, the reason for that being one of the ways that I learn is through story. And so it's also a way that I teach. And so I would say that one big lesson in the book, Coning the Lion, is just about purpose and finding your purpose and being content with your purpose. I think especially in 2019, when we can know what everybody around us is doing, as well as what everybody in the entire world is doing, it's easy to look at our giftings and our 
callings and compare them to the gifting and callings of other people. And so as Koning obviously goes throughout the story, he meets the hippos and he thinks he wants to be like the hippos and he sees the antelope and thinks he wants to be like the antelope and he sees the monkeys and wants to be with the monkeys. And as he forces himself in a way to be with all of these different people, he finds it exhausting because the reality is that what it takes to be a hippo or to be an antelope or to be a monkey isn't necessarily the way that Koning is wired as a lion. And so even just translating that for children, you know, you have a specific set of giftings and maybe you're not the fastest kid on the team or maybe you're not the best at math in your class, but there's something inside of you that's been placed there for a reason. And what is that and how can we grow that inside of you so that you can reach the fullness of the potential that's on the inside of you? And just allowing them to know it's okay not to be like everybody else. It's okay to not have to be the fastest or have to be the smartest, to not strive to do all of these things that at the end of the day are going to exhaust you and wear you out when there's something inside of you that comes naturally and is a gift. And so um, that's definitely the, probably the overarching message, but there's also other little things in the story. For example, one of the themes is boundaries. You know, Koning's dad sets boundaries for him and Koning sees them as these oppressive things or his father trying to keep something good from him. And in the end, he realizes those boundaries were really there for his protection. So obviously translating it once again to kids. I mean, I work with kids every week and we, the first thing we do is we say, okay, what are Miss Alexis's classroom rules? And they say respect because they know that's my one rule. And we talk about how I don't ask you to come to be, um, to come into class and be respectful to me and one another because I don't like you or because I think you're a bad kid or because I don't trust you. I ask you to be respectful because that's a healthy boundary that allows us to learn everything that we can learn and to be everything that we can be. Um, so that's definitely another theme. And then also, I think just a theme of of belonging and family and really the the value of true unconditional love you know Koning wanders away from his dad and is rescued pretty much and on his way back he's I'm sure waiting for his dad just to kind of lay into him and discipline him and really his dad has been there the whole time just waiting for Koning to come back and totally forgiving, totally ready to bring Koning back home and continue to train him and teach him to be everything that he was created to be. So I think those are probably off the top of my head, the three main lessons or themes that I was hoping to convey as I was writing this story. Yeah, I, I love that. And that's like part of the reason why I love um, podcasting, because it's really getting to talk to the author because there's, you know, I do a lot of um, author interviews on my blog, um, just, yeah. you know, just through, you know, email. Um, but there's nothing like speaking to the author and really, like, really talking about the meaning behind the story because it's so much deeper than that. And I think it's really hard to tell sometimes, even through writing. But when the author is talking about their story, it's so different, and it's just. It's wonderful because I, I agree with you. I think all those values are in that story. Um, and I love what you were talking about with comparing. Cause I think that, you know, for children and for adults, it's, you know, we're constantly comparing, especially now with social media and with, 
you know, just constantly, you know, I I think I, I read something somewhere where it was, you know, let's say like, you know, many years ago, we used to compare ourselves to our neighbor or to our friend at school. But now uh, with social media, it's like we compare ourselves with everybody on the newsfeed, you know? Right, absolutely. So, yeah, it's just such a big thing right now. And I, I think, you know, the story just has so many great lessons. And it's something I think that every child goes through that you know, right. they want to go out and explore, but there has to be some limits. And right. when Koning wants to come back, he's ready to come back and he understands. And how their father right. supported that was really, you know, it was really nice. And so, yeah, it's ex- exactly. I just love, I just love what you said about, uh, you know, all, all the lessons that children could learn from your story. So I would like to know a little bit more about your storytelling because I do okay. feel like, I do feel that's a gift in being able to tell stories. And I know it's a, like a broad, it's a broad question, but yeah. I was just curious kind of like how you began with your storytelling. Like, did that start as a child and how that, carried with you for, you know, your life and your career and right. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, first of all, I do think to some extent, um, just kind of like in the story, how everybody has a a specific niche or a, a gifting or calling. I would say that probably, um, storytelling is just something that has always come semi naturally to me. Um, I would not really honestly consider myself a very creative person or a very artistic person, but it's funny because when it comes to needing to tell a story or to present something in a way that is artistic verbally, um, that's just always been kind of natural for me. Um, and then I would say I also had a teacher in the fourth grade and it's so funny. I actually sent her a copy of this book. And I mean, I don't even know how many years ago we're talking, at least 15 to 20 years. And um, I wrote her a note and I said, my last name's changed. This is who I am. And this book is largely because of you. Because I'll never forget. So this teacher, she taught all subjects, but she was a very, very gifted English and language arts teacher. And she would brought these black and white posters into our classroom um, one unit or lesson. And I remember the poster or the picture I got signed was this, like, I think it was like a flying nun in a chair and it was black and white, super odd, just looking when you looked at it. And we had to write a 10 page story in fourth grade over this black and white picture. And we had so many weeks to do it. And so it was really, and I think it stuck with me because it allowed me to just really be creative with it. There were no captions on the story. It was entirely up to me and what I wanted to make it. And I remember everybody else in the class just being so irritated that they didn't have any more clear instruction about what to do. But I just thought it was so cool and such a great opportunity to be able to craft something that was my very own. And that teacher kind of stuck with me all the way up through the eighth grade. She was actually my English language arts teacher. And she's the one who really sent me to writing competitions and continued to push me to write even outside of assignments. And so I think that enabled me to perfect my craft and which obviously it's fun to do things that you're good at and not so fun to do things that you're not good at. So in allowing me to become better at it, it became even more enjoyable 
for me to do as well. Um, and so now it's just funny because even just off the top of my head, I love and think it's so fun to just come up with these off the wall stories and I'll be hanging out with a group of kids and I'll say, do you guys want to hear a story? And I'll tell them a story. And my husband always says, you had to have read that somewhere. You're just copying that from something. But really, I feel like just after years of doing it and allowing my brain to kind of take a story wherever I want it to go, it really is just kind of a simple and fun thing to be able to do, as well as something that practically I can use at my job. I am a children's pastor at a church in Oklahoma. And a big part of what I do is keeping kids engaged. And kids really do engage with stories. And so if we have a Bible lesson and there's a Bible story that goes along with the lesson, I love to tell that story, but then maybe also tell maybe a modern day parable type thing that helps those kids to see how that story could still apply to their life in 2019. And I feel as though kids learn differently, a lot of them from one another. I have a lot of kids that have special needs. I actually have a whole program of kids who have special needs. And so those kids learn uh, completely differently than some of my other kids. But storytelling is really a universal thing that all kids to some extent can comprehend. And even when I'd be able to, to put a story to a song or to put a story to music, those kids who maybe have some challenges and just sitting and listening are able to engage with that on another lesson. So it really has come in handy and helped me to be, I believe, successful at what I do just on a day-to-day basis. That's a great point where you were saying, because a lot of the articles that I write and um, a lot of the tips I provide are for parents of children, you know, with different needs. And And I'd like to know, I know we didn't talk, I know we didn't talk about this, but you talked a little bit about storytelling and working with children with special needs. Yeah. And I mean, the mod, like any modifications that you make, because I think that's a really important information for parents. If they're sitting down at the dinner table and they're, let's say, creating a story and they're, um, you know, they're, they're telling a story and they want to engage their child more. I mean, do you have any tips that make make it more engaging for children? Yeah, I would say um, it does obviously kind of depend on what the need is in that situation. Um, But a lot of the kids that I specifically work with are kids who are somewhere on the autism spectrum. Um, And so with those kids, I found that in order to keep them engaged, oftentimes in in the midst of the story, I either, you know, will bring in a song that I can sing about what we're doing Or I'll, you know, stand up and wave my hands in the air to be the tree or crouch down really low to be maybe an insect that we're talking about and just kind of moving and allowing motion to happen naturally. Um, That's how I teach a lot of those kids is through motion and active play. Um, I'll incorporate, you know, different tools around me into my story. So maybe we're sitting down at a table talking about, you know, maybe David and Goliath for the sake of my job. And I'll pull out a rock out of my pocket and let them feel the rock and touch the rock because they're very sensory. Um, and they learn very well using tactile and like touch. And so I'll let them run their fingers over the stone. And then we talk about how David used a stone to knock down the giant and just looking for ways to engage all of their senses 
um, because a lot of times kids who do have special um, ways of learning can't use one or more of their senses because it overwhelms them and it causes them to kind of shut down or shy away. And so whatever it is for that child, I try to stray away from that sense and bring the storytelling to their other senses. So you can use, I mean, if you have a child who's very noise sensitive, you can use pictures, you can use touch. If you have a, a child who's very sensitive to bright and colors, you can use different inflections in your voice, or once again, that touch, or maybe even smell, depending on the story you're telling. And then kind of the same thing with the kids I work with that either have, um, a defiance disorder or attention deficit disorder, just kind of allowing them to lead where the story is going and also changing it up based on where I can see their attention going. So if I'm telling a story to one of my kids who I know has a very short attention span, I'll say, okay, now jump up and help me tell this next part of the story or repeat this word after me and draw them into it. And then maybe if one of my children who have a, defiance disorder, allowing them to pick which direction does the story go in. Option A, the main character does this, or option B, the main character does that, and allowing them to have some type of decision or control in the story. So those are all just ideas, but obviously it really does kind of depend on the child, and whoever's working with the child hopefully knows um, that child best to be able to figure out how to incorporate that with them. Yeah, but those tips are wonderful because I, I do agree because I, you know, working with the kids that I work with and when I'm, you know, reading books and I'm telling them stories, you know, using props and also using, you know, definitely like a more of like a multi-sensory approach really, really works. And I, I love what you said about children with defiance um, disorders and kind of giving them control of the story um, and also yeah. using inflection in your voice. I think people, sometimes people forget how important it is to emphasize your voice and to right. you know take on the voice of the different characters. And um, I would love to see you reading stories. You got me like this, like prior <laughs> amazing. Like, and, and I think that's when, you know, when you see a really good storyteller, which I, you know, I don't see a lot, you know, right. it's kind of, it's, I, but when you see someone sitting down, I think it was recently over the summer, I was at a fair and I saw I think a woman sitting down with a group of children and she was telling a story and they were just completely engaged and she was so animated and she was kind of using all her different senses for the story. And it's such great points because children do love stories. And I think those tips that you do, you know, that you do naturally, I think a lot of people, right. you know, need those tips to kind of, you know, get the kids more engaged. So it's just, right. and you don't have, um, you don't have like any videos of you reading stories, do you? Man, I honestly think the only videos of me doing any kind of public speaking are probably just videos of me speaking to adults. Um, so I'm not sure. Well, you should I do that in your future. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'll definitely look into it. Yeah, I would love it. And just one last question that I didn't, that I didn't put down, but I wanted to ask you where you got the name Koning from. So Koning is actually Swahili for print. And actually, um, all of the funny names in the book, um, Ovio, 
Kupatosha, all of those names are derived from some type of African language, and they all have meaning. Um, and so, for example, one of the names means distraction, and the the other one would, I think, with the monkeys is talking about, um, you know, being left out and different. Once again, deeper meanings to things that some people probably never know. But it's fun for me <laughs> as the storyteller to know the the meanings behind those. But yeah, they're all derived from one variation of an African language. That's so interesting. I love that. I would never would have known that. So right. that's, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's one of those fun things that you just get to kind of drop in there for yourself to know. And every once in a while, somebody asks and you get to share the secret. So I love that. I love that. Um, so is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, I would just say, um, as we're talking about storytelling and really sharing values with kids, I would say just as adults and parents, um, we definitely live in a culture where it's easy to not be engaged with our kids. Um, it's easy to give them a movie or put a screen in front of them and just kind of trust that it's all going to work out in the end. But there really is nothing like interacting with our kids, imparting truth to our kids, encouraging our kids, and just slowing down, whether it's for 10 or 30 minutes a day, and taking the time to tell a story. Because nobody can teach our kids like we can, and it's totally up to us, um, the value and the quality of what they get. So that's the last thing I think I would add. I, I love that. I, I, I couldn't agree more because it, it is so easy just to kind of, you know, have your kids just be in front of a screen, but, um, but it really take, but it's a very special thing to be able to tell a story to your children and, you know, children have such great imagination. So they just, it's, I think they take it in like a sponge, like just all those, you know, wonderful stories. I'm sure that you're telling the children that you're working with. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for, you know, for being interviewed today. It was really interesting. And I hope that everyone checks out Alexis's new book, Honing the Lion, and it's available on what at Barnes and Noble. And it's also available on Amazon. Um, and anywhere else, I'm sure some local bookstores near you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or obviously directly from that mascot website. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime. <laughs>